Uh, I'm here at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? I'm Chris Delion. Uh, and um, what kind of uh, games do you make? Uh, so, uh, all over the place. Um, I released Topple for iPhone last year, developed uh, Fringy Moco down here in San Francisco. Uh, I spent seven months making a video game or experimental web game every day, uh, also in 08. Uh, helped architect the build drone game system for Playcraft.com. Made 42 downloadable games in my life. Uh, I founded a club at Carnegie Mellon that makes 15 games a year. Uh, it's been going for six years now, so yeah, kind of all, all over the bit. Uh, right now, I'm doing four iPhone games for New York City Publisher in two-month cycle. Okay, cool. Um, and what happened to Topple? I think I heard about that on the iPhone. What was, what so, so, was that about? so Topple, um, yeah. So I knew I knew these guys from when I was at EALA, um, and they contacted me to be like, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm working on a startup down here and uh, working on free games or other games on the side. Like I just finished a advertising game for a solar panel company. Sure. Um, and so yeah, they came to me to uh, do a project for them. They wanted me to make a, a free app um, to uh, sort of help advertise for their building name recognition, build mine too. And I was like, you know, that seems like a, a good deal. Uh, I hadn't done any iPhone development before, but I thought, you know, I'll learn what I have to learn. Um, and so, yeah, we just jumped in. There's supposed to be a one-month project, turned to a two-month project. Uh, and since then, it was uh, voted a top 10 iPhone game by Wired Readers. Uh, got 3 million downloads, according to the Topple 2 description, um, which I had nothing to do with Topple 2, but uh, except the fact that it's my, clearly my code base and menus and stuff. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, kind of the, sort of what happened. Right? Was, was Topple 2 a paid application, or was it a free application? So Topple 1 was a paid application for the first month oh, or two. It was. it was supposed to be a free application, um, which was things that probably wouldn't like to talk about about that um, as far as getting burned, but Topple 2 was a uh, paid app for like three bucks uh, on sale when it came out. Okay. Uh, Topple was 99 cents when it came out, um, but you know, like uh, it's been good for the exposure that uh, it, it you know, reached yeah. like the number two spot of paid apps, which is yeah, way exactly. more of an achievement than even dominating the free space. So it ultimately, it kind of worked out in my favor, I think. Um, so did you think about then doing your own iPhone app? Because you know, they were they were like really on fire at that time when you released it. It's funny you say that, because I made a fire app immediately after that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's called Burn It, um, and that's self-published. Uh, and so the, so the gist is there's two things you can do with it. Uh, one of my experimental games I made when I was doing a free game every day, or a Willow web game every day, at interactionartist.com, uh, was I had a game where you could draw with gunpowder, and it touched the fire, it all whipped and just ripped through it. Um, and so I decided that's a good thing on the iPhone. You got multi-touch, and you got like a, a good processor on the device, OpenGL support and stuff. Uh, and so on Burn It, uh, I have a light version, a paid version, my chance to get some like numbers back to see how they sell. Because sure. of course, you know, when you're working through a publisher, they keep all those numbers yeah, and stuff. Exactly. Uh, and so on Burn It, I uh, got good exposure through the light version. Uh, a while later, about a month and a half, um, and so also uh, there's a good experience with Burn It. Um, I localized that through crowdsourcing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I went to AltaVista and I did all the machine translation, which I know is not good. Uh, yeah. That is not safe to put in an application. And then I went on Facebook where I have 1,760 friends and I was like, please message me if you know Greek or was it German, French, Italian, Spanish, Korean, Chinese, Russian, Japanese, and a native speaker got back to me for every language to proofread and change and update my stuff for free. Um, so, you know, I was working on, the, on you know, the minimum stuff. Um, and yeah, so Burnett's is sort of about like drawing with gunpowder and like burning it. The light version lets you do that. The paid version, you can take pictures or load pictures off your camera and scorch the photographs and like burn people out of it. Um, you know, burn a smiley face on your, burn a beard on there's one of the things I like to do. Uh, and for a while, my Facebook pictures were all like my hair on fire and like holding fire in my hands and stuff. Um, oh, about a month and a half later, I Pyro, or not I Pyro, sorry, that game sucked. Um, uh, I, I Burn came out. Uh, 
sort of a clone of what I did. Um, I would say not as good. Of course, I'm sort of biased. Um, but they didn't actually have like menus in the first version. You can't load photos. Uh, you can use backgrounds, but you can't like scorch them. Um, the gunpowder. So like a whole bunch of stuff I was doing in my was sort of experimental sense of like it's transient art. Um, it's trying to. Uh, it's appreciation of the fact that, like there's different types of art. You know, there's architecture which lasts. Some Roman stuff is still around. Um, and then there's like paintings and things. And what I liked about uh, the the fire stuff, you had to watch it. It was like fireworks. Um, but anyway, so like uh, I burn with data was was permanent fire where you can like just draw stuff and just keep it burning. Uh, I burn took off and partly uh, there's some market timing tricks that I didn't know when I released burn it that I do now. Um, but anyway, so uh, I burn became like I think a number two free app. Um, and so you know, hey, that was that was my that was felt, made me feel good. At least I had a decent core idea, uh, even if a clone sort of did better than my stuff did. Uh, when they bumped it up to a dollar, sort of in protest, I bumped burn it down to free for a while. Got myself an extra you know few thousand dollars a day or whatever for a while. Um, and actually it was through that that jsgames.com found my uh, my old interaction artist stuff, uh, my old uh, game of day experiments. And so that got me a big boost of traffic when it showed up on JS Games. Sure. Um, and then after that, do you think of doing any more games for the iPhone? Uh, right now I'm working on four iPhone games for a publisher in New York City. Uh, Is there any reason to go through a publisher instead of doing your own? Yes. So so first of all, like a publisher today is optional. So it used to be super necessary. I mean, if you're, if you're using $20,000, $30,000 dev kits, you need 30 of them and you need a team of 60 to work for three years, you're not fronting those costs. Um, but for iPhone, you know, you need a $600 Mac Mini, you need a $300 iTouch, um, you need a $100 developer license, and after $1,000, you have everything you need to develop iPhone apps. Um, now, what I didn't have that they can do is, uh, in terms of marketing and promotion, they have consistent relationships that they manage with their viewers and blogs. They've got a zombie event um, sponsored at this GDC to advertise for one of my games. Um, and there's a scale which they can accomplish those things that I can't in terms of exposure. Also, in terms of porting capability, I mean, so on the, on the one hand, on the iPhone, you've got the benefit, like, if someone owns an iPhone, they spend money to entertain themselves. Like, they will buy games. Uh, if someone owns a normal phone, all you know is that they know other human beings or that they're afraid of getting stuck. Um, but it turns out, of course, I mean, uh, in terms of percentages, most people still don't have iPhones. And the numbers are staggering on other platforms. And a publisher of this size can help, like, sort of, the, you know, the porting connection so I don't have to, like, rewrite the app in Brew, that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a possibility, like, for that sort of uh, business benefit to work out, too. Um, so also, of course, they can advance costs, um, take some of the risk out of it. Um, once you do these games, are you thinking about doing your own game then on the iPhone just for whatever? Or are you burned out on iPhone? Or what? I may or may not. So basically, I've got no, I, mean, I have no particular love for the iPhone. Um, I, I came to it because uh, the NG Mocha guys were like, "Hey, can you do it? we're doing iPhone business right now?" And I was like, "All right, I, you know, I like, I liked Neil at the time, yeah. and so I was like, yeah, sure, let's do this." Um, and after that, I had the skill set, so I didn't burn it. And then uh, these other, these people who actually got in touch with me because of Topple. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, before I worked at Playcraft.com, I had never done web programming. That came out really well, and that's what, of course, I use for all my game of day stuff. Uh, I'll do whatever uh, I have to for where my sort of long-term research are, which is... And you talked about doing uh, experimental game every day. Can you talk more about that, and what was the process? Love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so initially, I felt sort of upset and enraged and frustrated with the game industry as it is, um, partly because we've got this thing where, like, uh, the example I like to use, and I, I, I gotta say, so first of all, I'm gonna give all due credit to Jonathan Blow, son 
of his speeches have been really inspiring to me. I feel like he's kind of one of the closest outspoken people I've got in terms of uh, sort of resonating with his philosophy. Uh, so anything I say, there's a chance it's been, it, like it might smear some stuff he said. I think he's an example of uh, games being like drugs and a couple of GCs ago. Um, my thinking was typically like recipes, like you know, we're really gonna make empty desserts with no calories or with just full of calories and no nutrition. Um, but the, uh, the the notion to me is that games is a damning word. That as soon as you say it's a video game, people have associations of play and triviality. Something should outgrow. Um, and, and you know, there's only so many things in the bookstore that you walk into uh, that are like fantasy romance novels um, and t stuff for teens that kind of map to the category of mentality we use for games. But when you approach a book, there's kind of different reasons to come to it. You can approach a book because you're going to enjoy it while you read it, like a Dan Brown guilty pleasure novel. Or there's reasons because you approach a book like a textbook or like a philosophy or a how-to or cultural studies or it turns out the rest of the bookstore um, because you want to have read it. Because coming away from it, you know, you'll be a more interesting person. You'll have a better perspective on things. You'll have a deeper understanding of things. Uh, and so meanwhile, like there's things you can only learn by, uh, by experience. You know, you're not going to get through lecture. You're not going to get through textbook. We build experience in a box. Anymore, you don't even need the box. We build experience and we share it. And the way we do it, like people don't have to pay for it anymore because it doesn't like, you know, when I build a car, you got to buy the metal, you got to ship it, you got to transport it. Um, so if I can make something that someone could play and like get it. So I don't care if it's a philosophical argument. I don't care if it's something about financial understanding. I don't care if it's about like uh, interpretation of art or like systems dynamics or something. Exactly. Um, and it really, it, like, let's say it helped make them feel better at life. Like help them better understand negotiation in a way they can better look out for themselves, not get screwed by sort of like, you know, low class mortgage people, whatever the hell kind of stuff. Um, if someone could do this in five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 50 minutes, however fast they can sort of get that rapid conditioning from, you know, you can trial, you can, uh, you can trial and error. You can, you can scientifically probe someone else's idea and model of something. Um, and then, you know, they would call their friends and be like, you should do this too and make the whole world a better place and that could be a million people tomorrow. Um, that's sort of appealing, but there's not enough research being done in that direction because, um, the example I like to go back to with Command and Conquer back when I was just starting, just starting out like modding games and stuff, I was, you know, a kid. Um, so that was, when I was like 11 years old. I'd go into a book, I'd go into a rental store, they wouldn't acknowledge me because they assume I'm a kid and don't have money. Um, I would go home and then spend days at a time playing Command and Conquer where I would have like 2,000 credits in the bank. I can invest most of that into a harvester to increase my cash flow. I could buy increased defenses to like sort of raise my insurance level. I could buy information by sending out expendable troops in every direction. I could try to offset my opponent. And there's a few important lessons there. One, that was a level of management and dictation and strategy that normally, like a generation ago, you had to be a CEO with like an MBA, it's a PhDs and stuff, and like just dirt lucky. Um, this worked for me to enable me to like gain a lot of experience in those sort of ways of thinking in patterns, because you know, every level takes the same sort of grammar, sticks in different situations, so you're not learning how to be level one really well, you're learning how to dynamically adapt to these situations. Um, you know, and uh, just the fact that that can spend infinite attention with somebody until they get it is a wonderful thing, um, but that we make these things in such a way that you're not supposed to play it and get it and then put it back on the shelf like a book. You're supposed to play it and play it and play it some more. Anytime someone said my games are addicting, I've taken it as an insult. I am not in the narcotics industry. Like, it upsets the hell out of me. Um, it was one of the feedback things from, like, top where people like, oh, that's so addicting. I'm like, I hate you. Um, you should play it until you get it, and there's some core concepts and some core mechanics, and I, I'm, I'm sort of on board with Lakoff's theory of, uh, of uh, sort of like a perspective on philosophy and neuroscience that uh, most concepts that we relate conceptually have to do with things we learn through sort of uh, material interactions and sort of more primitive understandings of our brain. And so that seems like a more dynamic environment. It's a good way to learn that stuff. Um, feeling good about those things, but like, uh, also I want to give credit on top of uh, John Nesky was my main subcontractor. He's my box duty expert. He contributes to the open source community for them. Uh, couldn't, just, couldn't have done it without him. He was like the core concept initially of like, we should be doing this sort of thing. And I was like, yes. Uh, I kind of ran with it from there. He also did some help with visual design, but I didn't want to throw that in there. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, anyway, so the so the games every day. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, so the games every day stuff. Um, the intent, so the and the aim was to figure out. Um, so video games is a loaded word. When we yeah. say book, we don't mean romance novel. Yeah, exactly. And if we did, the history of literature would be slaughtered because we would read Moby Dick and like it's not a good book. Yeah. Um, and people would play Chris Crawford stuff from 1982 and uh, say it's good and it's interesting, but Balance of the Earth is not a good game because it's not fun. Yeah. And they're right, and that's a problem. And so, but the problem is, so academia has tried to take a few steps back and try to label these things. They say like real-time interactive simulation design. Thank you, Digipen. The problem is, we see that the euphemism for video games. We see right through it, and we're back to is this entertaining? as the key question while we play it. And so my goal was rather than trying to name it and then do it, to do it and then name it. Yeah. And so I'm a strong believer in overproduction. Uh, when I was with Boom Blocks, I would make uh, nine, twelve levels for every six that we would stick in the game. Sure. Um, because no matter who you are, your best thirty percent of your stuff is, is better than the other than the worst sixty percent. Seventy percent. Damn. Um, but yeah, so, so so the intent was just do something different every day, uh, minimalistic. Sure. Uh, and, and so it's part of my feeling too. Like so, some of these guys I got a ton of respect for and love. John Mack, J John from Glow. Uh, you know, all the guys in any community, Cactus, whatever. Um, they all do and say uh, excellent things, and they, their work is incredible. But it takes them so damn long that like I, we need those people making more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. We need more that is coming to fruition, and and like maybe we won't have the level of polish for market recognition. Somebody needs to be giving these people grants so they will can throw some time at doing things that won't that aren't built for market recognition because yeah. we know how to do that part. We know how to put it in the iterative cycle and the tumbler for exactly. three uh, to, to you know uh, shine the heck out of it so people will buy it. Um, that's not necessarily reflect the core value of some of our best minds needs to be in in terms of making the commercial stuff, but we don't really have a good outlet for that. Uh, and part of the, and so too, uh, I'm very very doing it driven. Uh, I've got some issues with sort of current game design academia. Uh, and so this is sort of a bit in protest of that. Um, but yeah, so the game of day stuff, uh, all over the board. Uh, so you just came up with an idea and it just well, implemented or so, just started experimenting? Uh, so, so what initially happened was uh, I didn't know ActionScript 3 and I was going to need to know ActionScript 3 to work at Playcrafter.com, which is a friend of mine, Kurt Barrington, CEO out here. Uh, he co-founded Game Creation Society back at Carnegie Mellon. Okay. And so I hooked up with him and uh, to teach me ActionScript 3, I made, a, I made a version of Breakout for the Atari with it. And partly that was from like old Atari, people don't really understand that like Pong doesn't work like they think it does and Breakout doesn't work the way they think it does. There's rules about how the ball behaves with bricks and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted people to see that and be able to play that. And so then like the next day, I was still toying around with ActionScript 3 and uh, made another game that was just kind of like experimental with some lines and some dots passing and trying to like react to it, um, which is more uh, sort of cognitive conditioning stuff. And the third day, I made uh, a little game illustrating some zombie concepts. Um, uh, it might have been like day seven or whatever, but like basically what happened was I, ma I made a game a day for three days in a row by accident. And then I was like, hey, I've done one of these a day. I'm sure I can keep doing this. I I've, I've always liked working fast. I had no barriers because I wasn't waiting for anyone else to bottleneck it. I wasn't waiting for someone else's approval or sign off. And it's on the internet so I could, uh, so I could share it with uh, other people. Um, and the, uh, sorry, I got distracted by someone walking by. Um, yeah, yeah, and so basically from there, I just sort of decided to start doing different stuff. Yeah, just, just kept doing it. It's sort of like Forrest Gump running. Um, and the, uh, early, by the end of the first week, I had done a zombie game illustrating, like, four mechanics of what makes a zombie game works, like a top ten list. Sure. And it was like, you know, narrow, it was no narrow line of sight. But rather than doing it in first person with, like, a narrow, restricted view, or Resident Evil with a camera right behind the shoulder, because I don't have that kind of time for a day, I just did, like, a view frustrum with uh, dot products sure. that keeps you from seeing the enemy dots. Um, dots that get angry, they turn red, and they, they run in unpredictable stumbles. That makes it so you can't accurately prioritize targets. That's something Resident Evil does. Um, sort of like a, a fidgety crosshair that's hard to aim with, hard to get at the fire. Again, it's 
sort of Resident Evil and Silent Hill and all these zombie games do these core things that makes them zombie games. And otherwise, there's other games that have zombies in them that aren't really survival horror because they don't get to the core of like what makes it a zombie thing. And so, sort of an illustration of game design stuff, uh, game design principles. And that was sort of a game for game designers. Uh, and so, sort of thinking about different types of audience was part of what got me going too. Um, and so, uh, what was it? Um, yeah. So, did you focus on different? Was that one of the motivations? Different audiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different audiences. Uh, and partly too, it was it was trying to take a look at. Um, oftentimes, we make games for the players. Um, and so, uh, one of them was sort of like, uh, I'm in a bit of a niche mode of thinking. I, I'm I'm a vegan atheist. Um, in the United States, neither of those positions are particularly popular. Um, and so, I thought for fun and giggles uh, on commercials and things. There's people who see like, oh, that Burger King Whopper looks wonderful. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Or they'll see something that looks for a movie that's like super duper religious and like I really want to see that I'm like I can't tell you how much this doesn't appeal to me and so I had some fun with a little project that was uh, for people like me which again there's other people but there's not very many of us um, where there's little circles pop up with a word yeah. and if the, it's a good word to me you're supposed to click it as fast as you can if it's a bad word to me you're supposed to not touch it sure. and so like Jesus pops up don't click that okay. like turkey pops up don't poke that yeah. but then it also it shows that we have some common ground with everybody else puppies click it yeah. like Japan good thing um, video games wonderful and so uh, it just sort of is a play of you know that could be built for anybody. That could be built by a liberal and put in front of a conservative, built by a conservative, put in front of a liberal, uh, built by someone from the Middle East and put in front of someone in the UK um, for like, realize like our gut reaction to things is very, very different than yours. Um, and it's something that like you can write about it, you can talk about it. At the end of the day, it's really jarring to like, these, like, like, these symbols and these other words, and these concepts that are, that are super crazy important to you, like, mean nothing to some other people, yeah. and vice versa. Um, and did you experiment with any multiplayer stuff? Multiplayer stuff? Uh, not really. It was partly just for, like, uh, networking, testing, and stuff. And again, like, part of what I liked was that I didn't have any bottlenecks. Yeah. And to do multiplayer, I'd at least have to, like, uh, test with uh, someone else. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and so how long how long did this go for, all these uh, experiments? Seven months. 219 games were done. Um, near the end of it, so they were definitely not games near the end, uh, which again is part of my goal. Uh, I started doing some of the random stuff. One was like comedy stuff, which was supposed to be illustrating different like concepts through interactive probing. Um, one was called Specoids, or at least just a random meaningless word I threw on top of it, sure. um, that video game players don't like, don't get, think they're pointless. Software engineers, or at least the, the few I talked to, really, really liked them and thought they were neat. And it's just this thing where um, it's just a sort of corridor of lapping on the screen between where you put the mouse and what these different sort of dots and things do and how they position themselves. And there's some ways to mathematically get things to behave in very interesting ways. It's just sort of like warp the space and you can sort of like figure out a, a you can sort of train yourself on like an instrument, experimenting like if I go from here to there, it does this move. If I go from there to there, it goes in that move. And you sort of toy with it like if I was going to put on a show, how can I do the cool stuff with this particular toy? Um, but yeah, and so near the end it was sort of, uh, it was also around the time that someone else had, um, I was at actually the GDC last year, I guess it was last year, wow, um, at the W, and uh, I walked in there, I was like, hey, I'm doing a game a day, uh, I'm also taking games at requests, because I was interested in what do people who aren't software engineers think of about games, and so I had made like a birthday game for some friend of mine in Los Angeles, a friend of my older brothers, um, and the uh, and I was like, do you guys have any ideas for something you want to make for a game a day? Like, I won't, you know, I, I can't, I'll, I'll give you credit for the idea, uh, I'll do it in a day, I don't charge you a thing, I just want to make games by coming out of those brains. He's like, yeah, uh, and this guy was drunk at the time. How about where you're moving for the toilet and you're gonna throw up in it and like if you don't get their time and you like you vomit and your friends have to clean it up but if you get their time it's like yes you did it and I was like okay yeah yeah I'll do that and so I did that and impressed somebody else in the group it was like uh, I got somebody to get in touch with he got me to the solar panel company um, and I started like that sort of tying up some of my time doing an advertising game for them normally I would not do advertising games I was approached by NBC afterwards to uh, do some I think uh, Spanish baseball advertising I was like I don't think so yeah. but with the solar panel company like they're trying to 
saved the world too. Like I got much love for that. Uh, so yeah, and that, that was the first sort of independent project. Uh, timeless, but that was sort of the end of the game, and it's about a month after that or so. And how many hours did you spend each day doing a game? Varied wildly. Um, when I uh, so yeah, I had a full I had a full time job with some overtime with a startup at the time, um, so that made it tricky. Uh, I didn't really get out a whole lot. I'll give you that much. I also don't sleep much. Uh, anywhere from sort of two to five hours a night is typically enough. Sure. Um, but so some of these things I would crank out in two hours. Okay. Some of these things I would crank out like on Christmas. Uh, I think I made a uh, maze type game or somewhere around there um, that I probably spent a good 16, 18 hours kind of hacking away and tuning on. Um, it was supposed to be like some cognitive, uh, neuro, like illustrative concept stuff. And did you document any of this on your blog or any? A ton of it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so there was a, uh, a, a corresponding blog for most of the entries that went up until probably the first five of the seven months. Um, and it was mostly me talking to myself. Okay. Um, I mean, did you get? Did you finally get followers and stuff like that? Reading it. And so, so, so two things. Uh, one, I would post for a while near the end of it. I would start posting my game day projects on Facebook, um, and that got me like 50 people a day of like just uh, people oh, yeah. I knew. Um, there was a great guy named Bez uh, Bezman. I I can't I'm not sure I know his real name. Um, but he's in Scotland, and he, he, was, he was like, he was the only guy who really consistently played each one and commented on my blogs and stuff. Um, and so that was really cool. We did like a little, yeah, just neat connection overseas. Um, and then, uh, but so basically, the traffic for the most part before I started playing on Facebook was one to seven people a day. The traffic after uh, it was sort of near the end, maybe one to seven people a day. But I wasn't doing it for anybody else. I was doing to explore the space. And I know there's not really an audience for this. A lot of these are really frustrating. A lot of them are really, really hopeless. They're really clueless. They're really like um, sort of meaningless. Or empty, or just flat out offensive to people, sure. um, and that's all fine. I mean, I've games where you're like you're slashing a uh, Sesame Street, uh, sort of, and sort of uh, whatever. Um, some messed up stuff in there, and uh, but so basically, uh, all of a week or two weeks ago, um, JSGames.com picked up the interaction artist stuff, um, and just sort of out of the blue, I checked my web stats, and I was like, five sixths of my web traffic came in the past 48 hours, awesome. ever. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that felt good to have that kind of happen. And did, um, out of all the game designs, are you going to use any of them to hash out more or, you know, finalize? Sure, so, well, there's two things. Uh, one, for a couple of them, yes. One of the iPhone games we're working on now is actually based on one of those uh, game-a-days. Uh, the Burn It game was built on one of those game-a-days. But for the most part, uh, and I had I had this argument a lot last year's GDC with people, like, I wasn't, so when you write a poem, you're not writing it as a prototype for a book. Sure. Like, it's supposed to be small. It's supposed to be simple. And it's just, like, for the same reason why, like, uh, you know, certain games that make sense on an iPhone don't make sense on a Wii. There's different expectations for what's going on that I think you wind up overcomplicating the point it doesn't make any sense anymore and you lose it. I mean, anymore, I don't think you can release Tetris on a, on a console. You can't release Tetris on a mobile. Um, so are you thinking of then doing this experiment again? or Down the line. So basically what I ran into was two things. Um, one, uh, I need to not be doing this alone. Um, two, other people don't understand what the hell I'm doing. Like, I am out in left field, which is which is where I'm happy to be, um, but I need, A, more people, and B, more people that, that are also way out in left field that no one knows what the hell they're doing, uh, which is most what I'm at GDC for, finding other people who are disaffected with the fact that games right now are sort of uh, uh, assumptions of entertainment, and again, game being the deadly word. Um, I'm not even sure that with the stuff I'm interested in, so in the Venn diagram where games are on the left, stuff you can do with PS2 is on the right, uh, in the middle is video games, and the left is like card games, 
games, board games, sports. Like, uh, sure. I think they're mostly unrelated, especially unrelated to what I want to do. I want the rest of the Venn diagram. Um, and I need other people who are kind of interested in that kind of stuff, which is what I'm out here sort of fishing for. And so what kind of games then would you like to be making? Um, like, what would be your ideal, I guess, situation? Because it seems like you're not necessarily in it for entertainment. Um, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, so um, my long-term interests are in things that help enable people to better take better care of themselves and the people around them um, to help them uh, basically out it's a, you know, it's a little outlandish or it's a little indirect, but uh, ultimately I like to be helping find ways to uh, help people feel less desperate about life, to help people feel less helpless, to help people feel more empowered. Yeah, 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 more empowered. Um, j just in general, that there's a lot of folks who like. Uh, I think there's a there's a few things that. Um, I mean, heck, you know, we go back uh, a long ways. Uh, there's two things that are sort of caught my attention. One, John Locke's philosophy on education. Um, he pointed out that uh, a whole bunch, like never in the history of, of teaching and education and so forth, did they advocate a room of a whole bunch of students and one teacher, but the reality of the fact is you couldn't have, practically, one adult training each individual sort of personally, um, which we can do that now, because the adult doesn't have to be there. That experience can be uh, embedded in a way that can give feedback, and I think there's a few fundamental concepts and learnings and things that some people get from good parenting, some people get from being lucky and being in a church with like a great pastor, a great priest, great whatever, or a temple or a synagogue, um, that other people just flat out missing, like some really, really fundamental stuff that if they just had, there's a couple little things to sort of fill in the cracks would be doing way better off, would be way happier, way feel way better of themselves, um, feel like they're better in their life, and just generally things working out better for. Uh, I'm interested in trying to find ways to make that scalable. Uh, um, so with that said, um, what what projects are you working on now that, that relate to that? Okay, yeah, so, so A, I'm teaching on the side, uh, giving lessons. Uh, I've got a 15-year-old student in Pittsburgh I work with via Skype and PayPal. I uh, had a 24-year-old uh, up in the north that I was working with for a while. He's now shifting to iPhone games, so he's going to collect some funds and have me sort of advise him on that. Um, and I've applied to like help with a sort of local camp. But basically, again, so I want to train people from an early age, give them a huge head start. Sure. Um, when I worked on this stuff when I was like 12, I was alone in it. Um, at this point, I've done enough stuff in the industry uh, that I, you know, certainly I don't feel like I need to be teaching college courses, yeah. but I sure as heck can help give some direction to 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds um, so that they can have plenty of time to experiment on their own, find themselves deep in left field, and by the time that they get older, uh, hire them and do some research with me. Um, and you talked about um, just having other people working with you now, because um, you've done most of this independent, like, alone. So how, what's the process you're going to use to actually get other people to work with you, and how is that collaboration? Have you already tried that? So, 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 I mean, right now, so in the four iPhone games I'm doing, I do have nine subcontractors. Uh, so basically... Well, it's, is it the same, though? I mean, because well, they're literally just listening to you instead of really collaborating. No, 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 no not at all. Not at all. No, no, so, so the way I work with other people is, is sort of the backwards model for other business. A lot of business, but a lot of game, for, you know, creative directors, whatever the hell. Um, they come up with something they want done, then they find people like, do you do art? Here, come do the kind of art that I want. Um, I find talented people, and I, I try to find ways to play to their strengths. Um, whatever kind of music they do well, I want to do a game that kind of uses that well, uh, which is something I did in college. And, and it was sort of it was basically what I had to do by necessity with like, uh, game development groups in college, because A, no one's getting paid. Everyone wants to make a good resume portfolio piece for themselves, which means you've got to find ways to help people show off. And it turns out, like, you get so much more personality and character and flair from that anyway, because it's not just people kind of doing second-rate versions of what they don't do best. Um, so, yeah, so some of that, and then some of it too, is basically sort of flipping that model on its head, uh, turning the subcontractor thing into a, a situation of apprenticeships. Um, chance for people to work on stuff to build a name for themselves, and sort of between my coaching and, you know, uh, their outside perspective, trying to take these one step further. And so, you know, you talk about, um, you know, applying games to empower people and stuff like that. So then, are you going to do like more web-based games, like games that are kind of leveraging the internet or social, social types of games? So, so the, the internet is clearly a wonderful thing. Um, the, the fact that someone doesn't have to know how to download and install something, the fact yeah. that it works on every operating 
the system. Um, the stuff I'm thinking of doesn't necessarily, I mean, you don't need, you know, 8,000 polygon models and bump mapping and stuff. So the, the web is definitely a very, very viable candidate. Sure. Uh, at the same time, it's tricky. There's a lot of free stuff on the web. Yeah. A lot of people are going there for entertainment, and uh, if that's not what you give them, they will turn right around. Um, so it's, it's some combination of finding whatever I can do to hook up the right people with it. If it's on distinctive hardware, I mean, part of what I think uh, console video games did to establish a brand for themselves was specific hardware that's for that. You're buying a toy, an entertainment box that enables you to, like, so then you've got a sunk cost. So how do I justify the fact that I spent 200 bucks on this? I'm going to go buy some more games for it. Um, you know, I don't know if some sort of reader format, some sort of hardware, some sort of... Uh, what about cell phones? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, again, doing the iPhone stuff, um, it, it, it's a possibility, but A, normally other cell phones are a little prohibitive to me just because I don't want to make 700 reports. Um, iPhone reaches largely a wealthy, affluent, mostly in control kind of, like, of their own situation all the time's market um, that I'm, you know, those aren't the people I'm interested in helping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, yeah, so so now what's in store then? What's in store for the next, say, six months for you in terms of experimentation and game? Sure, sure. Uh, so first off, I'm finishing these uh, iPhone games I'm working on now. That'll all be happening sure. the next month. Uh, and, and that's largely helping me build a longer runway so I can volunteer some high school, so sure. I can work with some more kids. Uh, like I said, teacher that, hopefully teacher this can't be out of down in uh, Palo Alto. Um, haven't heard back yet on that, but it seems promising. And uh, some combination of those on the side, of course. Uh, let's see. Well, I guess right now my head's enough in the iPhone games. That uh, yeah, some combination of putting money in the bank and uh, finding uh, people to train and getting practice, giving some education. Okay, and um, so do you have any last uh, pieces of advice or suggestions for other experimental or indie game developers who just kind of want to be out in left field? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so first off, uh, and I, I guess I'm going to speak mostly to uh, beginning folks. Cause I think more often than not, the ones who aren't uh, aren't listening as much for for advice. Um, a everything you need is free. Blender, GIMP, when uh, Audacity, like you don't really need my 3D Studio, all that kind of junk. Um, because, and including lessons and instruction and tutorials, all the stuff's out there. Um, there's no it's on the web free, right? Yeah, it's on the web free. There's, there's no reason to uh, to not be doing this stuff. And, and I would also encourage people to uh, not just specialize deeply in one thing. Um, know at least two skill sets fluently and functionally. Uh, even if you don't wind up using both professionally, it'll still be good to uh, be able to communicate to different kinds of people, no matter where you wind up and what you wind up doing. Uh, thank you very much. And what are the websites that people can visit? Sure. Uh, interactionartist.com is the uh, game all the experimental gameplay stuff plus my old hobby work and gamedevlessons.com uh, is my uh, little lessons site. Thank you very much. Cool.